Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We've been in a series entitled Supernatural, and we've been talking about the gifts of the Spirit. As you know, I was in Hawaii two weeks ago, and as I walked through the airport terminal in Oahu, I kept seeing these different displays about Pearl Harbor. And so it led me into a deeper dive in that uh, very monumental, tragic time in our nation's history. And trying to understand, okay, how did the, the world's greatest superpower, how did we incur such uh, devastation during that time? How, how can that happen? And as I looked into it, and I was, I was studying on the, the Naval Institute site, what they explained was that there were really four major components of the assault, but the primary one was that the Japanese forces used something called denial and deception. Denial and deception, or D and D. And so what you learn is these incredibly brilliant U.S. admirals were faked out because the Japanese forces, they had always been focused on uh, defense, and so that U.S. admirals didn't ever think they'd go on the offensive, and the Japanese forces used this in intelligence and this deceit tactic over the radio waves and over their communication to make it look like they weren't doing anything. And so even when they formed their forces, the U.S. continued to think, that's not really happening. Now, what's my point today? My point today is I believe this is a, a perfect spiritual illustration for what many people view or believe about the devil. Did you know if in the latest research by the Barnapoles that only 29% of Christians believe in a real devil? Only 29% of Christians believe in a real devil. It reminds me so much of Pearl Harbor that the, the church doesn't believe that there's an enemy wanting to attack. He is using denial and deception to infiltrate the church and to destroy people's lives. And so that's what brings us to the importance of the topic we're talking about today. Today we're talking about the gift of discernment of spirits. The gift of discernment of spirits. We find it in 1 Corinthians 12, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge. You can go back and listen to that message that Kendall gave on those, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing. That's what I talked about last week, or miraculous powers. To another prophecy, we talked about that several weeks ago. To another, the distinguishing between spirits. The distinguishing between spirits or the discernment of spirits is essential in our pathway of growth in this church. Let me just put that up if you haven't seen it in a while or if you're new to us. We're often referring to this journey of growth we take as a believer. We see this in the life of the Apostle Paul when he's gives his life to Jesus and is transformed into who we know as the Apostle Paul. We first make a decision to follow Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We get dunked, that's our colloquial way of saying baptized. We get delivered, which is getting set free from our, our vices and the things that enslave us. We get discipled in community and by mentors, and then we're deployed. We're all sent as missionaries to the sphere of society that God's called us to use our unique giftings and callings. And so 
in this delivered part, we have to know what is actually afflicting us, what, the way the enemy is actually attacking us. And we've got to start by believing that there actually is an enemy and there are evil spirits that attack us. And that's why I love this gift of discernment so much because I find that it brings us so much hope. I was walking this week in our neighborhood and I saw numerous people, and you encounter them too, especially if you're, you're driving downtown or you're driving on the road and you see people that you just think, man, it, they look hopeless. They're, they're yelling, they're talking to themselves. I saw one guy punching the air. And, and we, we look at our world getting progressively more and more dark and sometimes we can, we can just be so discouraged that we write people off when really and truly, so much of it is demonic spirits that are enslaving people that God has power over and wants to use his church to set people free. Um, let, me, let me give you, in the life of Jesus, we see this pattern. We're going to look at a scripture in a moment. Jesus is always, number one, discerning the spirit in someone. Number two, ridding the person of the evil spirit. And number three, then the person's life is changed. If you are reading our All People's devotional on the discernment of spirits, and I encourage you, you can find that devotional that has gone along with the series on our website. Uh, author, teacher Francis McNutt defines the gift of discerning of spirits this way, the God-given ability that enables us to distinguish whether a person is influenced by the Holy Spirit, by the natural, a human psychological or created causes, or by an evil spirit. I love what Pastor Kendall wrote in the devotional that he and James authored, many people have wrongly confused the discernment, confused discernment, exhibiting keen insight and judgment. So many people say, like, I'm really good at, at discerning things. With the spiritual gift of discerning spirits, it's a tragedy that the spiritual practice of discerning spirits cultivated in the early disciples of Christ has been mostly lost in the Western church. Many modern Christians are surprised when they learn that God actually calls us to test spirits present in a situation or person. Here's my point today. Oftentimes, there are evil spirits at work around us, whether it's in a person, whether it's in a government, whether it's in an institution, whether it's in some kind of, of media that we're intaking. There are spirits at work, and God has called us to test the spirits. So let's first start with a story where I started understanding this. I've changed the people's names out of honoring them. A young woman named Melissa, Stephanie and I were leading a large college group in Central Texas. We went on a mission trip. We're in a, a service, and a young woman had come to, to Christ with us. She'd given her life to Jesus. She was very traumatized. Uh, she had scars on her from how much self-wounding she had done. Uh, we found out that she had, had uh, been abused and one of the more traumatic things in her abuse, she had started believing lies. She was constantly hearing lies that she was the reason that she was abused. Uh, I hate the enemy. I hate that horrible things happen to people and then he puts this condemning attack and, uh, and in people's minds that they actually deserved what they went through. We were in a, a powerful worship service and we heard a, a voice screaming out, and, and some people came and got us, and there was this sweet, young, she's a, a beautiful young woman named Melissa. She was on the ground. She had fallen on the ground, 
and, and, and she was uh, kind of writhing in pain. And, you know, what do you do in that moment? Uh, we gently put our hands, Steph and I gently put our hands on our shoulders. And right when I do that, immediately I, I hear the word uh, spirit of self-hatred. Spirit of self-hatred. So I ask her, uh, Melissa, do, do you hate yourself? Yes. Are, are you hearing condemning words in your mind? Oh, yes. It's telling me to hate myself, telling me that I'm not worthy, telling me uh, to harm myself. I said, Melissa, I want to submit to you that that's not you, that that's an evil spirit talking to you. Uh, are you ready to get rid of the spirit? Yes, yes, yes. Melissa, are, are you ready to renounce that spirit? Yes, I don't want it anymore. Okay, would you tell that spirit, I don't want you anymore? She says that. Melissa, would you repent? So would you renounce, would you repent of any way you've partnered with the Spirit? Yes, I repent. I, Lord, I'm sorry for listening to the Spirit and partnering with it. Melissa, will you command the Spirit to leave? Yes, she commands the Spirit to leave. We command the Spirit to leave. Her body flails for a minute more, and then she goes at peace. Um, can I tell you that the last time I heard, uh, she's happily married, stopping, uh, she stopped uh, self-hurt and self-harm, and she's totally living for Jesus. Uh, th this is the power of discernment of spirits and helping people get, fr get free. Another story, we'll call her Lee. Um, we, were, we were coming back from, from doing an outreach uh, in, a, in a city near our city, and um, Lee started being just traumatized uh, they called us, and, and we, we go up to, to meet with her. We had several uh, of us ministers. Um, it, it's hard to explain what Lee was able to do, her, the way her body was able to contort, the, the things that she was able to do. I don't know if you've ever seen someone who's, who's being demonically attacked. And uh, as we, we pressed in, we found out Lee had, had grown up in a Buddhist family, and as we're, we're praying, we asked her, you know, if there's relics in her home. Come to find out, in the center of her home was a, a Buddhist altar that they were making sacrifices to and asking for spirits to come in their home. One of our pastors discerned a specific spirit on, on her. And um, this one was a little different because as we prayed, this, this spirit just kept holding on to her. And this pastor had this word from the Lord that this spirit would go away more like a wart, that as we continued to apply the word of God to it and put that almost like wart medication on it, that it would eventually dissipate and be completely gone. I share this because different times we rid spirits in different ways. So for this, we sent Lee home. She was a recent believer and said, Lee, we want to encourage you every time you start feeling afflicted by the spirit, pick up your Bible and start reading the truth. Start speaking it out loud, and you start telling the spirits to go. It was amazing. Within about a week and a half, Lee was not experiencing any of this attack anymore. Now she's living a beautiful Christian life. She's a physician. She lives for Jesus, and she's been set free. Uh, this is the power of the discernment of spirits, but it also shows you what I hope you believe is that just as there were evil spirits that afflicted people and nations and organizations in the New Testament, times have not changed. And so we still need this gift today. 
Looking at this from Mark 9, we always want to use the Bible as our plumb line. Mark chapter 9, the life of Jesus. It says, a man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who's possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Oh, you unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything's possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead, but Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind comes out only by prayer. Okay, what do we learn from this scripture? What do we, what do we learn? Number one, evil spirits are real. Do you believe that? Evil spirits are real. Here's what I know. A lot of times you don't want to talk about this stuff in church, but I want to tell you, it gives us great hope to set people free. And what we so often do is we, we condemn people instead of realizing, no, it's a spirit. We want to love people and hate evil spirits. Uh, he said, teacher, I brought you my son who's possessed by a spirit. Number two, evil spirits want to destroy people. Guys, we want to get as far away from evil spirits as possible because they want to destroy people. It's often thrown them into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. This is one of the important things for us to know is there's a real spiritual realm. And all the spiritual realm is not equal. There's light and there's darkness. We want to stay away from the dark. It wants to destroy us. Number three, Jesus identifies the spirit and rebukes it. That was the discerning of spirits. He says, you deaf and mute spirit. There's different types of spirits. And so Jesus identifies it. Number four, when spirits are attacking and leaving, it can be demonstrative, right? So it says the spirit shrieks, convulsed him violently, and he came out. The boy looked like a corpse. Number five, Jesus was calm and not sensational in ministering to the boy. So here's an important thing. We don't need to make a show when we're dealing with spiritual forces. We don't need to start yelling. We don't need to put on a certain color suit. Uh, we don't need to start hopping around. We don't need to start flailing a bandana. We, Jesus is normal. Just address the spirit, told it to leave. Number six, Jesus explained our source of strength is prayer to the Father. It says this, after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He said, this kind can come out only by prayer. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that drives out evil spirits. So let's, let's dig deeper because we're living in a culture that's becoming more and more enslaved to dark spirituality. <clears throat> in the Old Testament, 
there was actually a law about not <coughs> interacting or not drawing from people that were using dark spirituality. This is what Leviticus 20 says. <coughs> I will set my face against anyone who turns to mediums and spiritists to prostitute themselves by following them. And I will cut them off from their people. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I'm the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and follow them. I'm the Lord who makes you holy. You are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy and have set you apart from the nations to be my own. A man or woman who is a medium or spiritist among you must be put to death. You're to stone them. Their blood will be on their own heads. Now, that was an Old Testament law. And now we're not supposed to kill people that are involved in these things. But what it illustrates is how against dark spirituality God was. So let me just be very clear, uh, because we're growing up in a world where spirituality, dark spirituality is more and more per pervasive. Uh, church, people of God, you're people of the light. We're called to be holy. God wants to infuse you with power. The desire for spiritual power and desire for spiritual insight is a holy one. Don't go to dark sources, though. People of God, do not read tarot cards. Do not read horoscopes. Don't go to psychics. Don't go to mediums, to witches, to warlocks. These are an actual abomination towards God. Now, are we supposed to hate these people? No, of course not. We're actually supposed to love these people and love them to Jesus. Point them, tell them, hey, I, I understand that you want power, you want insight, but that there's dark spirituality that will destroy you. Don't get involved in it. It's, it's hurtful and it's painful and God forbids it. Interestingly, there's accounts in Scripture where, where people went to this, and it didn't go well for them. So uh, 1 Samuel is a great account of this. Uh, Saul, who was king at the time, Saul's the king before David, he's in a time that's really challenging, and, he, and, and he's not feeling like he's hearing from the Lord, and so he wants some wisdom. So look at what he does. It says, now Samuel, so Samuel was the prophet, was dead, and Israel had mourned for him and buried him in his own town of Ramah. Saul had expelled the mediums and spiritists from the land. So he, he knew that this was God's command, so he said, I'm gonna, get, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get them out of here. The Philistines assembled and came and set up camp at Shunem, and Saul gathered all Israel and set up a camp at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him through dreams or Urim or prophets. Saul then said to his attendants, find me a, a woman who is a medium so I may go and inquire of her. There is one in Endor, they said. So Saul's like, I, I, I need some wisdom. I need to know what's going on, right? And so, you know, maybe some people would say, well, so I want to call a psychic or I want to, I want to go and, and read some tarot cards or I want to go to someone, you know, who who." who's just kind of has a, a, a weird, dark spirituality for him. He was like, I want to go to a witch. And so that's what he actually does. And it's interesting, he finds her in Endor. What does Endor mean? It means this. It means the, the fountain of this age. The fountain of this age. I want to I tell you that there's so many people, there's so many celebrities that are drinking from the fountain of this age. I wanna tell you, church, that's not our calling. Our calling is to drink from the fountain of the Spirit, from the ancient of days, not this age. You have a wisdom that far transcends the wisdom of this age. 
the interesting thing is, if you look at the, the King James Version of this verse, which actually I, I believe is a better translation of this verse, it says, Saul said to his servant, seek me a woman that has a familiar spirit. Instead of a medium, a familiar spirit. Uh, witchcraft comes from a demonic spirit. Psychic powers come from a demonic spirit. Men and women of God, do not be deceived. There are only two sources of power. Light and darkness. Anything that is not, listen to me, anything that is not from Jesus is from the enemy. Anything that is not from Jesus is from the enemy. Look at Ephesians 2 with me. As for you, this is talking to everyone, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Okay, what is that saying? It's saying until you give your life to Christ, everyone's following the ways of the world and the world is under control of the king of the spirit of this air who is the devil. There are two forces. Everything either comes from God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, or it comes from the enemy, right? There, there is no other truth and there is no other power than from these two sources. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were na by nature deserving wrath, but because of his great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you've been saved. Here is the great message of hope. Uh, witches, warlocks, Satanists, they're one step away. They confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe that God raised him from the dead. They'll be saved. Right? God met each of us in our sin. Right? All of our sin separates us from God. That is why Jesus died on the cross for us. And just as you are one step away from receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior, when you call on him, put your faith in him, so is the person entrenched in the deepest darkness. Hmm, look at this. Let's go back to 1 Samuel. Such an interesting story. Such an interesting story when Saul goes, I want to talk to a witch. I want to get some wisdom. Saul disguised himself, putting on other clothing at night. He and two men went to the woman, consult a spirit for me and bring up for me the one I named. But the woman said to him, surely you know what Saul has done. He's cut off the mediums and spirits from the land. Why have you set a trap for my life to bring me to my death? Saul swore to her by the Lord, as surely as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this. Then the woman asked, whom shall I bring up? Bring up Samuel. He said, when the woman saw Samuel, she cried out at the top of her voice, and said to Saul, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, do not be afraid. What do you see? The woman said, I see a ghostly figure coming out of the earth. Spooky. Okay, why do I read this? I, I read this for you just to understand. Spirits are real. Ghosts are real. I, I can't tell you how many times we talk about this and people start saying, yeah, I, I woke up, I was being choked, I was being oppressed, I had a, there was a, 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 something in my room trying to harm me. Um, I talk about this so people don't think I'm just going insane. And, and let me just pause for a minute and say there are real mental 
illnesses. I'm not saying that we don't have mental disorders that we need to go see a therapist for, get medication for, but I'm also saying you can't medicate away a demon. And so we need to be good dividers of, of soul and spirit and body and understand that every problem someone is having doesn't mean they just need to go and slap some more medicine on. And please hear me, I am pro-medicine, pro-doctors, pro-therapists. I am for that. But I'm also looking at the Bible and saying, there are spirits that are afflicting people. There are demonic forces showing up and we can't just use our scientific rational brains to get rid of these. We gotta confront them in the power of Jesus. And we can set people free. Um, how do we discern a spirit? How do we discern a spirit? Um, there, there, there are three practical ways that I find. Um, number one is God will speak to us the name of the spirit afflicting someone. I shared that story with you about Melissa. Uh, at the end of services, we'll line up and we'll pray for people. And in those prayer times, different times, people will come up, man, I'm being so attacked. I'm having, I'm having these uh, thoughts. Uh, let, me, let me explain to you, so many times suicidal thoughts are from a demonic spirit. They just keep telling you to kill yourself, to hurt yourself, to end your life. Um, oftentimes when we lay hands on people, we're praying for them, God will speak to us the name of a spirit. That's oftentimes how the, the discernment of spirits comes. Uh, here's another one. Uh, numerous ones, my friends ex receive it this way. Uh, they will be with someone and all of a sudden they'll feel something in their body. Oh, wow, I feel a searing pain in my head. I, I'm feeling a, a sharp thing in my heart and they will know a spirit is afflicting someone. So it can be just through a, a word spoken from the Lord. It can be through a, a feeling, a physical, one of our senses, a sensation. Or... Sometimes that God will bring to mind uh, an experience that happened and where a spirit entered into someone's life and he'll give a, a scenario or a situation and help us understand how that happened. Ephesians 6.12 says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, and powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We've been talking a lot about how spirits affect individuals and how people interact with them and why I'm telling you not to, to get into to different things where you can draw spiritual darkness. Let me tell you another thing. Please don't watch horror movies. Uh, what do you think the source of horror movies? Who created, who thought up horror? I can tell you it's not Jesus. It's the enemy. Uh, the, the horror movie's theme is steal, kill, and destroy, right? That's not a new theme. That's John 10, thief came only to steal, kill, and destroy. Please do not watch horror movies. Can, can I tell you, so many of us let evil spirits into our lives by what we watch. Uh, and, and I want you to be discerning. Sometimes, have you ever been watching something and you, all of a sudden you're just like, I feel icky? It's, it's because there is a spirit. There's a spirit that has influenced that. Um, do you know that spirits, you just saw this in Ephesians 6, it talks about these spirits, but why does it say rulers, authorities, and powers, and spiritual forces? Why does it break it down? It's because there is a hierarchy in the demonic realm. 
right? So just as there are angels and then there's the archangel, Michael, there are, it's the same word, arche, is for rulers in the demonic spiritual realm. And so you've seen this in the, the book of Daniel. Do you remember this? Look at Daniel chapter 10. Gosh, I hope you came ready to think this morning. We are going graduate school right now. Uh, but I, I want you to be informed. I don't want to leave you with just the spiritual milk. I want you to understand why, where do things get access in this world? Uh, Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding, humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I've come in response, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, this is Michael the archangel, came to help me because I was detained by the king of Persia. Now I've come to explain to you what will happen in the future. What is this explaining? It is explaining a battle in the heavenly realms of an archangel and one of the rulers, one of the archdemons. It was called the king of Persia. You're like, Robert, what in the world are you talking about right now? This week, let me explain it very practically. This week, if you were looking at the news about North Korea, you saw these headlines about a two-year-old being sentenced to life in prison because the parents had a Bible. Now, the parents are to be executed, and the two-year-old is to spend life in prison. How does a nation get in its government such an opposition to a, a book, the Bible, that is a spiritual force that is so anti-Christ that it will destroy its people. Okay, there is a spirit. There's, so did you see that in Daniel chapter 10? The king of Persia. There was a principality influencing Persia. And so when Daniel starts praying, the, the, the angels that are released when we pray, okay, I hope if you're being attacked at night that you're praying, Lord, release angels to protect me. Every night I'm asking God, release angels in my room, in, my, in Hallie's room, Hudson's room, Joshua's room, John Mark's room. We pray, we don't just send up some prayers, we pray, Lord, release angels to guard us, to guard this. I pray that over you. I pray that over our missionaries around the world. Okay, there was demonic forces that were trying to destroy him. The, the prince or the king of Persia. Are you following me? So what is going on in North Korea isn't just a bad dude. There are spiritual forces. Okay, let's, let's bring it to our nation. Um, you are watching the news of billions of dollars being lost by corporations that are promoting these radical ideologies for a fraction of a percentage. So why would a company whose whole goal is profits be willing to lose billions of dollars and then have to fire thousands of their employees for such a radical ideology? It's because spirits are at work influencing people that they don't care about all the people who are going to lose their jobs. They don't care about all the loss. They are coming to bring the enemy's ideology and to control. Are you understanding? How do we respond as Christians? We don't respond by just getting angry and yelling at people or hating people. 
No, we actually love the people who are even giving themselves into perversion and antithetical things that are anti the Bible. We love the people and then we bind the spirits. Can I say that again? Because what we do as Christians is we're like, I can't believe you're in that behavior. I hate you. That doesn't help any. No, we're supposed to respond in the opposite spirit of love, joy. So the people that are engaged in the, in the, in the, that are non-believers, we need to actually wrap them up. That's what Jesus did. Luke 15, all the sinners were gathered around Jesus. He was gathering with the prostitutes and the, and the alcoholics. And, the, and that, that's, Jesus was loving those people. So you don't, what we do as Christians, we hate people, but then we secretly engage in the activities. So let's just go to Daniel. Let's just finish. So what did Daniel do? When the king sets up these altars and says, now everybody worship this, Daniel's like, no, not going to do that. I'm going to live a fasted lifestyle. I'm not going to say I hate you people, and then I secretly engage in sin. That's what so many Christians do. No, instead we say, I'm going to live a fasted lifestyle. I'm going to feast on Jesus, and I'm going to let his face shine upon me so much that I glow with his love, I'm gonna bind the spirits and I'm gonna ask that the Lord transforms the people. So you know what actually ends up happening in Daniel's time? Is the tyrannical king Nebuchadnezzar gets blocked by God, repents, and then sends out a proclamation, everyone should follow Jesus! Everyone should, well, he didn't call him Jesus back then, but everyone should follow God, right? Why? Because Daniel didn't hate the king but then secretly participate in the, the sin. Instead, he fasted from the sin. He spoke honoring, he, he, but he said, I will not stop praying and worshiping and following. God even protects him in a lion's den. Um, I'm out of time. Why don't we stand up? Uh, people of God, the greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The Bible shows that in a moment he can transform a king like the, the, like the, the president of North Korea in a moment. Our, our role is not to hate people. The, the person you can hate is the devil. And let's, let's use the gift of discernment of spirits instead of letting people go through their life with such pain and feeling like they're so messed up, let's help them understand, no, the enemy's trying to destroy you. Let's renounce that. Let's rebuke those spirits. Let's command them to go, and you can be free, free to love Jesus, free to live for him, free to experience his love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Amen.